The date is August 7th, 1974, and we're watching The Wicker Man. Welcome to I Used to Like This One. Welcome to a spooky edition of I Used to Like This One, the show where we take a look back at movies we remember fondly from our childhood and attempt to look past the nostalgia to see if they still hold up. My name is Sean Wells, and with me, as always, is the giant wooden effigy to my book of matches. Hello, I'm Colin Stewart. I was really wondering what what you're going to pull out for that one. I struggled. I... I considered making you like the wicker chair to my wicker broom or wicker basket to my i i don't know i i I, you know the characters it's it's all just a hodgepodge it's a blur i can't wait to discuss this movie but we can't discuss this movie alone because here we are into halloween movies and we had a guest last year who told us that he would come back the following Halloween to watch this movie. And, well, here it is. The following Halloween is now. That's a whole lot of L's to throw in there. But for his Hat Trek episode previously here for Buckaroo Banzai and The Hunger last year, please welcome back David Owen. David, hello. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. One of my favorite films. Thank you for having me back. Oh, I can't wait to get into this because boy, oh boy. So this week, we're looking back at August 1974. However, there is a big asterisk, and we'll get into that in a minute. When the movies in theaters were Uptown Saturday Night, Death Wish, Gone in 60 Seconds, Flesh Gordon, (laughs) and of course, our movie for today... The Wicker Man, which earned 492,776 dollars on an 810,000 dollar budget, adjusted for inflation, that's 3.4 million on a 5.6. I don't know uh, whether they take into account kind of the cult following of this movie. That's box office. That's definitely not home following. So there's definitely going to be more numbers there, but yeah, boy, oh boy. <laughs> Wait, did you say gone in 60 seconds? Yes. Uh, the, is that the, also a, a Nicolas Cage remake <laughs> as well? Yes, the, the That's original. I, I had no idea that was a that the Nicolas Cage one was a remake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> where to start? There will be spoilers ahead, maybe. For anybody who's seen this movie, <laughs> well, it yeah, there's one major spoiler. I mean, yeah, I that guess will so. come up. I'm sure. Uh, yes, yes. It is time for us to keep our appointment with the Wicker Man. That's right. Wow, that Indeed. was that was spot on. <laughs> that was kind of anyways. Yeah, there will be spoilers ahead. So if you don't want this movie spoiled for you, then please hit pause, go watch it, and then come back <laughs> and hear what we have to say. <laughs> this seven is seventy. This is. It's 49 years old 50 year old movie wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah 
Well, okay. So, oh, I guess, yeah. Fi- well, no, 49 or 50. It, it, it gets hazy. And again, we'll get into that. First, let's talk some spoilers because, boy, oh, boy, I have eight spoilers this week. However, it's the 70s, so they're not very good. Uh, first. Spoilers or taglines? Or taglines. Taglines. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I got spoilers all up in my head. Taglines that appear on the poster for this movie. Eight of them. First one from the writer of Frenzy and Sleuth, Anthony Schaefer's incredible occult thriller. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, wow. It's yeah, it's a, uh, not very exciting. Number two, the residents of Summer Isle invited Sergeant Howie to their traditional May Day festival. He didn't expect to meet the Wicker Man. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 Okay, number three, an island lost to unspeakable terrors of pagan rituals, exclamation point. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, number four, the 20th century never touched Summer Isle, where pagan fertility rites and blood sacrifice live on. Well, that one's pretty good. Another exclamation point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Colin doesn't have much to say about any of these. See, I told you, like the seventies tagline. Well, I feel dude. I feel like you had to be in the seventies. Like I'm sure there was a lot more, like <laughs> I don't know, like anti-Christian panic back then, or something that that made these taglines seem more ominous and frightening than they are. Quite possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's even kind of back in the days when Reefer Madness was like, you know, oh, you'll go schizo, you'll you know murder your family. You know, it, yeah, same sort of sensational kind of tagline ideas. Uh, sure. <laughs> um, which one was I on? Shit. You'll ne- you'll simply never understand the true nature of sacrifice. Did I say that one? No. Mm, no, that one's, yeah. that one's a good one. Okay. There we go. So that was number five. Number six, an incredible occult thriller of pagan practices and fertility rites. Mm-hmm. Yep. Number seven. Flesh to touch, flesh to burn. Don't keep the wicker man waiting. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, keep keep in mind this is a hammer film, so they're kind of known for their their cheesy liners, like the tease lines. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And the I think they were kind of playing up the the whole the pagan ritual thing because a lot of the hammer films had to do with either Dracula or satanic cults. Okay. Well, you had to pull them in somehow. Well, <laughs> yeah. Finally, number eight, I'm ending on a poor note, a totally corrupt shocker from the author of Sleuth and Frenzy. Oh, there you go. But for some reason, this tagline begins with an ellipsis. (laughs) Oh, huh. Well, I don't know if you guys know, but Anthony Schaefer was a playwright, had a decent name as a playwright. So some of those like Sleuth and stuff, that's his. His yeah. brother is Peter Schaefer, and he wrote some obscure things like Amadeus and and okay. Equus. Um, so both of them were are playwright and wrote screenplays. It just so happens that Anthony was the occultist, so his own personal research led him to write the screenplays. Have you read any of these or? Like the sleuth or frenzy, or was there another one mentioned? No, frenzy and sleuth. Yeah, yeah, I haven't read those. 
Okay. Uh, but I do know their plays because I've seen some some images of them on IMDb. Mm-hmm. And if, and the uh, Amadeus, uh, we've seen the movie version, but it was a play first. Yeah. And then uh, Equus, uh, a play, but also um, who who oh, um, I can't remember the film version. Which famous actor did it? Not very long ago. Can't remember. Well, I remember Daniel Radcliffe was recently on stage for it. Yeah, but didn't they? Wasn't he in the film version too? No, I didn't think so. No. Uh, anyway, he did Equus too. So yeah. Well, anyway, these taglines may not be very good descriptions of the movie, but let's see if Colin can summarize this movie in a sixties, a spooky sixty-second synopsis. <laughs> All right, let's see what I can do. <clears throat> Sergeant Neil Howie, a British police officer and devout Christian, arrives on the island of Summer Isle to investigate the disappearance of a local girl, Rowan Morrison, after receiving an anonymous letter. His investigation gets off to a rough start when everyone in town at first refuses to even acknowledge the mere existence of the girl on the island. Howie is forced to stay a while, and the longer he does, the more he discovers about the townsfolks' pagan beliefs and practices, which include public group sex parties, using toads to cure illnesses, and young girls dancing naked and hopping over fires. Needless to say, he is none too pleased about the entire situation. He is also forced to rebuff the advances of the innkeeper's daughter, who attempts to lure him into her bed like a siren. Eventually, through the use of suspect investigative tactics, he discovers that Rowan did live in Sumrile and everyone has been lying to him. <laughs> and he was so disappointed. But she's not dead, she just doesn't exist anymore. Howie takes this case straight to the top and demands that the enigmatic Lord Sumrile grant him permission to exhume Rowan's grave. Permission is granted, but it turns out Rowan has transfigured into a dead rabbit post-mortem. As the islanders prepare for their Maypole celebration, Sergeant Howie goes to the library and learns about the Maypole celebration, the possibility of human sacrifice, and pieces together that Rowan is still alive and is going to be murdered so apples can grow on a cold island. Now more pissed off with the islander shenanigans than ever, he attempts to leave and, gets, and get help from the mainland, but his seaplane isn't working so he has to stay. Sergeant Howie decides to knock out the innkeeper and take his place as the Mayday Parade as the fool. This leads him to Rowan, but after rescuing her, he discovers this entire mystery was a ruse to bring him to Summer Isle so that he could be sacrificed to their pagan gods by being burned alive in a large wooden man, a.k.a. the Wicker Man. There we go. <laughs> nice. 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 Well done. So the Wicker Man. David brought it up last year. <laughs> this is a movie I knew of by name. I knew Christopher Lee was in it. I knew it was a movie from sometime in the 70s. That's the extent of my knowledge on The Wicker Man. And so, you know, I I have now become much more learned on The Wicker Man. I will tell you that this has made me go down a few rabbit holes. But other than that, I have no history with the Wicker Man. So, I mean, Colin, do you want to discuss your history of the Wicker Man, or is yours exactly the same as mine? Well, I watched the Nicolas Cage movie. That was okay. that's my experience with the the Wicker Man. For how, some reason, how long I mean, ago? A long time ago, and okay. it was like a it was like a one watch. I want to say it was around the time it came out, so maybe like twenty ish years ago. Okay. Probably, probably even more, and so basically, yeah. like going going into this movie, the only thing I remembered 
because that movie is kind of similar is how it the ending which I actually ended up being kind of unfortunate because I yeah. think this movie is a better movie if you don't know what's about to come. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This this movie is all about the twist ending. This is M Night Shyamalan. This is, you know, this is the village. You know, the village sucks, but the ending makes it kind of worth it. But David, okay, you know, Colin has seen, uh, Colin knew a little bit more about The Wicker Man than even I did because I I didn't know, I wasn't spoiled on the ending, thankfully, I guess. So you brought this upon us. You wanted to watch the original 1970s Christopher Lee version. Yep. Uh, and you wanted to thrust this upon us. <laughs> what is your history with the wicker man and i know that part of your history or you know part of like your love for this movie includes clarifying the thing about dates so teach us about why the date we said at the beginning of this show was kind of wishy-washy <laughs> all right um uh, so uh i happen to have the the wood carving box set collector's edition with the extended version because uh, some of the footage was lost on the, under the M14 until they dug it up again and found it and reached it. Anyway, it's a long story. But <laughs> the uh, uh, watching the documentary. Okay, wow. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Okay, go on, go on. <laughs> yeah, and there's a whole thing about how like they never lose the negatives for films, uh, but they did for this one for 20-some-odd years until they found them again and when they unburied the uh, landfill that the highway was going over. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, so that was part of the documentary they made in the late 90s uh, with most of the cast, including Christopher Lee coming back and talking, and Edward Woodward, who was the original equalizer, not Queen with Latifah. <laughs> um, and they were talking about the the making of the film and how they were they were you know none of them uh, were were getting uh, scale, but they wanted to do the project because they really believed in it. Uh, it was a departure for Hammer because usually Hammer films are more the the run of the mill B movie horror. But this one, everyone said it's a bit smarter. There's more going on. There's more, you know, etc. Uh, different location. Uh, and actually watching it again, if you think. How many horror films do you see where there, I, the only blood you see is on the corner of Edward Woodward's mouth in one scene? Okay. It's like the, the least gory horror film you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so where where in your life did you cross paths with this movie for the first time then? When I was in my teens, I was looking into really obscure music. Uh, one of those bands is Current 93. Yeah. The singer for Current 93, David Tibet, or Tibet 93, if you follow him, he was saying his favorite movie was The Wicker Man. And mm -hmm. I was working for the alternative video spot in the early 90s. Uh, and so I like, The Wicker Man, I heard about this. It must be good because that guy, he's out there. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I watch it and there's a lot of music in The Wicker Man. Uh, it's sort of, I, yeah. yeah, I can see it's how it's influenced sort of like the neo-pagan alternative uh, UK scene. And and actually, some of the songs uh, are pretty famous now, like the the Willow's song "How Do," uh, the Sneaker Pimps cover it, uh, okay. and it, it actually when they covered it and came out, it was really popular because people knew it from the Wicker Man, and then when they covered it, it got you know it was top of the charts for a while. 
Um, but yeah, so I knew that the, mu the movie had something to it that was different than everything else. So I watched the movie and I was blown away by the end because how many films do you see where the pagans win? Yeah. <laughs> Usually the Christians come in, smash everything, burn it all down and, and like the, the heathens go back into their hole. Uh, but not this one. This one, <laughs> the comeuppance is the the new religion, right? The only other yeah. film I remember doing it was, uh, I think it was called Ants or something like that, where the scientists in the in the isolated uh, research station they have an ant infestation and they do everything they can to combat the ants and keep the place clean. But the ants keep coming and they eventually take over and eat everybody, and the ants win. <laughs> Which for that's that's much different than the um, the Sylvester Stallone Woody Allen ants that I know of from my childhood. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought I thought this film was it really struck with me, and I I was just so endearing, and I'm a, I was always a Christopher Lee fan. And growing up in the '80s, I I remember watching Edward Woodward as the uh, the Equalizer. So seeing him in, in as the Inspector was great. Now I know your wooden box set explains the dates. Oh yeah. Okay, so so they finished shooting December ninety, uh, December seventy two. Mm -hmm. um, it was edited and put together, and they had the first release. But at the time of the release, there was a lot of um, back and forth with the uh, British Lion and a couple other of the f filmmakers, and there was a change of hands, and the new owners didn't like the Wicker Man. Like they okay. thought it was, they thought it was terrible. Everybody yeah. else loved it, but the the guy who bought the company said, "No, I hate it," and he tried to bury it. So they had a very limited release in '73. Yeah, and then uh, the dust settled and and whatnot, and it kind of like played the the midnight movie circuit for a while. And and in '74 they had a release in America. Yeah. Okay. And that's where it took off. Yeah, th this was a hard one to find the actual date for. So that's why I went with kind of the wide release date, which was the August 74 date. Well, here we go. Let's jump into The Wicker Man and see what we can figure out here. Directed by Robin Hardy, who has three total directing credits. This, The Fantasist, and The Wicker Tree. Now, is The Wicker Tree related to The Wicker Man? It is, and I bought the the Blu-ray. Okay, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's it's sort of you know that disappointment you felt when you saw the Never-Ending Story two. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. they got the cast back together <laughs> and they rented the soundstage for the afternoon, but it didn't really take off. Yeah. That's okay. Right. Yeah. right on. And it's produced by Peter Snell, and it's written by Anthony Schaefer and David Pinner, who gets the novel credit for the novel Ritual. Have you read Ritual? I haven't actually. I'm. I'd be quite interested to do, do that. Right on. Well, we open this movie. It's Sunday, the 29th of April, 1973, and we're in a church with people singing and the service. I'm trying to think back. I, I've got a note that says the guy reminds me of Bill Nye. <laughs> and but I'm Wait. trying to think. Is that Sergeant Howie I'm thinking of, or is that the preacher I'm thinking of? at the beginning of the movie he does do the reading yeah oh in some churches like they'll have people from the congregation come up do uh, two or three readings each each sunday yeah i believe he's doing a reading oh i feel like the version of the movie i watched didn't have this oh <laughs> okay. like, the one i watched just starts with like the plane flying into summer isle oh okay 
That's the difference between the extended version and the theatrical release. Okay. Yeah. Now, one thing I found fascinating about this movie is because it is supposed to take place in the springtime, April to May 1st, the fact that they filmed it in Scotland in October, November, all the leaves were gone. And so this opening plane shot of him flying in, because there wasn't any leaves on the trees, they actually filmed this part in South Africa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just, just the plane flying. That's it. Yeah, just yep. so that they didn't have to. Because there is the one scene with the dance, the fertility dance, where all the girls are in like the Stonehenge area, and there are trees there, but they actually had to like glue leaves to the trees to make them look like it was springtime and then blo in bloom. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> The weather, well, in the document, they were saying how the weather was very varied day by day. It's like, yeah. oh, no, the, the sky, the, the clouds have parted, the sun's out. Okay, we got to rush and do these scenes now while we can, and then this, it would cloud over again. But, yeah, some of the scenes, you could tell they're near the end of the run, and it, they're just like, screw it, we're just going to go up on the hill, and, like, they're all, like, shivering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah th this this movie has a lot of stories and like I said, I kind of went on a bit of a deep dive after this and I also found a documentary and ended up watching that. So I, I, I have heard a lot of these stories as well, where it's just like, it was a very chaotic shoot. And so the history of this, this film is just absolutely fascinating with the fact that it was hated by the studio and the fact that it was lost. And I did not know though about the happy ending that the missing bits had been found. The missing negatives had been found. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were, they were pretty badly damaged. So when you watch the extended version, you can see the difference in quality from scene to scene with they've added back. Yeah. Uh, and they, they explain that with the, the first a front credit thing saying like in trying to restore the film to its original length, you know, uh, some of the quality is different, etc. Yeah. So I'm wondering then, Colin, if you saw an abbreviated version, and I ended up seeing a uh, the, yeah, the must restored have, version. The version that I watched was only about 90 minutes, and it was okay. like like I just I just rented it on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. See, and I think I ended up finding this bootleg, uh, like extended edition or something. I mean, renting legally this bootleg ex extended edition. Because yeah, I know I know that when I like my feeling of the movie when I first watched it was like, I was just struck by like how simple and contained the overall arc of the story is. Like it's just mm -hmm. police officer shows up and he's on the case, yeah, and then, it's, and, and then things just un begin unraveling and. And that kind of thing. Like there wasn't a lot of like, I remember thinking like, oh, you don't really like learn all that. I think there's maybe like one scene that was kind of, maybe this is, it like shadows back to what you guys are talking about. But there is like a scene later on where he's kind of like, I think it's when he's asleep and he's like dreaming about singing in the church and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. They tried to slip yeah. it in to sort of establish he was religious. Yeah. All, all that exposition is done in the extended cut. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. I felt like it came across pretty well, like from the outset, that he was very religious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they make a big deal about how he's still a virgin right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like what like after the Willow or like that's the innkeeper's daughter, right? Like after she like she like tries to seduce him, like I feel I feel like he he tells her like that he's never like he's a virgin still and like he doesn't believe in sex outside of marriage and all that stuff, so yeah. and then well, even let... when he like tries to make the cross when he goes to the graveyard and yeah <laughs> yep. apparently that cross is still there mm. yeah <laughs> yeah it and and same with the feet from the wicker man are also still where they filmed it right oh, i hear wow. you can do tours yeah 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 because they, they shot most of the movie on location there and they used the locals for most of the background Mm-hmm. Like the the pub scene, the when they're in the harbor, all those guys that are gathered around the the two hired actors, <laughs> they're all locals who who yeah. live there. Like, hey, do you want to be in a film? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll, uh, Colin, let's take a quick look at this cast list. Then, I mean, even though we've probably never heard of any of these people for anything else, except apparently the Equalizer, but. <laughs> You know, and and Christopher Lee. I mean, we you know we definitely have to talk about him too. But who do we got on this cast list, Colin? Uh, Edward Woodward is Sergeant Neil Howie. Yeah. Yeah. If if your last name is Woodward, don't choose Edward as a first name. You know, it's, <laughs> that's 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 a that's a lot of a lot going on with that name. I I I read that Peter Cushing. Michael York and David Hemmings were all possibilities for this. And Peter Cushing was actually close to taking this role, but he had other obligations. Christopher Lee tried to get him there. Yeah. Yeah, Christopher Lee really enjoyed the film. The The woman who played Willow, she was really popular at that time. Yeah, Britt Eklund. Yeah, Brit- she'd recently divorced somebody really famous. I'm trying to remember. If it might have been... Well, she was dating Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart, yeah. Uh, yeah, she was sort of a socialite, so getting her for the film was a big deal for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen this before, but it says in Wikipedia that Britt Eklund played Willow McGregor, but Annie Ross was Willow McGregor's voice, and then Rachel Verney was Willow McGregor's singing voice. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, she was dubbed, and... Uh, she very controversially, she also had a butt double. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She she was pregnant at the time and was not comfortable showing the lower half of her body. She was fine being topless, but unbeknownst to her, they brought in a butt double. They're like they wrapped her for the day and then they brought in the butt double just to do the uh the back. do the The dance again to make it a little sexier and she was not aware that they had done this to her (laughs) but you know it's a good stand-in i I don't mind it (laughs) i didn't i didn't notice (laughs) i was looking hard (laughs) seamless transition Uh, yeah that was well done well done i mean trust (laughs) trust me i i rewound that i double checked i'm like no do i see it no uh, let me look again yeah three or four times i must have watched that scene uh just to be sure (laughs) less leslie mackey played daisy diane salento miss rose too close to cilantro for me. Lindsay Lindsay Kemp is Alder McGregor. I don't know. There's Ian Campbell is Oak. Russell Waters is the Harbor Master. Ian Campbell 
Oak. He was the really huge guy. He was the one who was holding the guy on the shoulders in the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one that roughed up Edward Woodward like a like a piece of tissue at the end because he's he was a mass. He was actually a wrestler who was really popular at the time. Okay. So getting getting him into the film that ensured that every, all the the wrestling fans would be there to see the film as well. So, so Oak was cast because he literally is built like a tree. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I, I really, uh, Colin. I think the only other person to really mention is Christopher Lee as Lord Summer Isle. I mean, <laughs> you know, we got Count Dooku there. <laughs> yeah. Or Dracula for our really old listeners. Yeah, Saruman. <laughs> Saruman, Saruman. I was gonna say. Saruman. <laughs> yeah, got Saruman. Yeah. That's that's what I know him best from. Yeah. <laughs> A heathen, conceivably, but not an unenlightened one. My favorite Christopher Lee uh, line has to be the one about the, about the bent knees. I'm just trying to find it here. But where he's, bad news is much better received with bent knees. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Something very, yeah. Oh, a shock is best taken with the knees bent. That's right. That's right. That That's a... I enjoyed that line. <laughs> so, yeah, this movie, I, I mean, I did compare it to The Village at one point, where it's just like, it's a bunch of, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and, and once you get to the ending, it's like, oh, okay, I see what you did there. Well played. Well played movie. But, yeah, um, it's quite a journey to get there, though, I have to say. Now... I don't know whether I'm supposed to take the cop character seriously. Sergeant Howie Mm -hmm. is a little bit of a buffoon to me at times. Is what? Why the naivety with Sergeant Howie? Well, he's a complex character. Uh, Sorry, Colin, but I I feel compelled to jump in. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. So the whole reason that they sought him out was that he was he was the fool and intentionally ignorant, like blind to the truth. Like he did not want to know, right? So because he was the fool and then he played punch, the king of the day, king for the day, so he's a man In of authority. Yeah. yeah, man of authority, he's a police officer, but he's also a fool intentionally so, right? Where he feels he's so correct all the time, but he then he he shows he was the only one who wasn't in on the truth. Yeah, um, yeah, and so his buffoonery kind of ties into his the the tragedy, if if you will, of him you know being the martyr at the end. He he just feels a little melodramatic to me. At to, like his like, his his no. earnestness is like, it, it just it gives me. Bruce Campbell vibes with how his earnestness is in yep. a way, you know, or, you know, like an actor like that, where it's just like, that's not really necessarily the tone of the rest of the movie though. So I, I, I don't know. Like, well, I, I was going to say that this movie, like right off the vet, like it really has the tone for me of my mom watches a lot of like British murder like procedure like like father brown or like the old old like uh 
Jeffrey Jeffrey something Sherlock Holmes and but but even like for American North American like Murder She Wrote like it has it has yeah. that it has that vibe going yep. on when he shows up in the seaplane and then and then it he maintains that through the whole movie but there slowly starts to be this just undercurrent of like weirdness that. The kind of just I don't know <laughs> the movie the tone of this movie was was very was so interesting to me in that way where I was just like yeah he does seem like this like kind of normal guy but when you really think about what how he's doing like in what world does a police officer fly to an island by himself like you're not just the police of all of Scotland like you don't you don't get to get you don't get to get a letter and then just go off and be like oh. You're not Batman. You didn't get the bat signal, and now it's time to go like investigate. <laughs> like, there's yeah. there's procedures to police work. Yeah, you're 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 hubris, man. Like you're you're a little bit um full of yourself. It's funny because I just I recently watched all of the Shetland shows, and for most of that, because it's so isolated in Northern Scotland, a, a pair whatever his name is, like he's all by himself and he gets himself in trouble. He gets beat up and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, mm -hmm. he's out there in this lonely road and said like, uh, you've killed a man and <laughs> like, come with me. It's like, no, <laughs> right. Um, it would take a lot of, a lot of chutzpah. Uh, so yeah. Well, one thing I was definitely interested by with this movie was the point when I found out that, Hey, I'm in the middle of a musical. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so that was the point where i'm kind of getting to the you know what the fuck is going on with this movie what is david making me watch it's it's a halloween movie i know it's supposed to be a scary movie but what's going on we've got children singing and weird talk about you know phallic images and sim uh, you know symbolism and 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 then we straight up have like an orgy happening in a cemetery that he ends up walking past and i just i'm like what is this journey i'm going on i have no idea uh, yeah so the guy <laughs> who wrote the music he did only one film uh paul giovanni I believe he had a recording career other than that, but I don't know how long because they kept talking in the documentary about like, it's too bad he's not with us anymore, etc. So I don't know how long he lived, yeah, but he yeah. just did that one film and he's in the film. He's yeah, in he's the band. Curly haired guitar player. Yeah. And, the band and apparently, yeah, apparently the band got a little bit too uh, uh, high on their jazz cabbage that they, uh, <laughs> that they had trouble with some of the scenes at one point in that movie. <laughs> but they they actually requested said jazz cabbage from the filmmakers and yeah they were provided for so you know that's what happens when you're filming at all hours and whenever the weather is good in scotland well it's a hammer <laughs> film it was the 70s stuff happened <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I kind of felt while well, I was watching it, it's like he arrives, talks to some people, goes to the bar, yeah, and then it was like I turned away, and then all of a sudden I like didn't pay, I wasn't paying attention for like a minute, and I turned away, and then I looked back, and there was just people having sex on the grass, and I yeah. was like, what, like what did I miss? <laughs> like what is going on? 
I may need to rewind and see. Yeah, what I did. I needed this. to, re- and then and then it was even. <laughs> that and then I re- I, quickly. Then I rewound, and it was just like, oh, that's just what's happening. Like there wasn't even like any real explanation. Still, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, here's the real test of the extended edition is the snails part of the extended edition yeah okay yeah i don't remember snails okay yeah well yeah it's when um christopher lee comes by with the young boy to pimp him out to willow (laughs) the song ends up playing and we see you know things happening in willow's room and then it shows two snails slithering over each other in a suggestive manner and that was another point where i said what am i watching yeah like in the version that i watched i once like you because i remember you guys talking about like christopher lee being in this movie but in the in the version i watched i was kind of surprised that he doesn't he doesn't even appear in the movie until after how he goes to the school and 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 figures out like it took that long before like it was probably like in like 45 minutes to an hour in before he was there oh so that the whole that pimping out scene is yeah that's part not of... there oh yeah. so in the extended one that with the the beach christopher leaves there introducing uh buchanan to willow and does the monologue not introducing him pimping him out (laughs) go up there and get your dick wet son (laughs) Uh, but he has that monologue about the snails and then and then quite an extended bit about uh taking the mickey out of christianity which didn't make it into the north american theatrical release which i think you watch colin yeah okay because i was i was wondering with the this whole like lost negatives and stuff that the the sex on the grass scene was odd because of it, the ver- it like made I, the I, cut. I well well no not that but when I was watching it I kept thinking that my computer w- or my my TV was freezing because it was like the frames it would just like pause and then go like, it would slow down yeah and it was it was such freeze. a yeah. such a weird thing that I was like is this part of the movie or is that just like the unpolished nature of what they were able to kind of splice together with what they had or (laughs) yes interesting i'll have to go now and find the extended version (laughs) yeah yeah there were some good uh good lines cut from the theatrical version the 90 minute version rather than the the two two minute and five version that is the extended the two hour and five minutes yeah I've been doing some work around the house lately. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to put on this movie and I'm just going to kind of listen to it and pop in every once in a while just to get a a, a third watch in on this movie. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't really paying attention, but it was the music that really got me. And most notably, it was the, the catch pole song. Oh yeah, the one or the mayor or what? Not catch the pole, the song. maypole song. The ding, 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 ding. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. Uh, yeah, it, it just it, it blew my mind that it was. It just it caught my attention because it was just so catchy and so, just digging in there and I I that's the moment that I realized the brilliance 
of the music in this movie because the first time I watched this, boy oh boy, I I tell you the the music it it was interesting the musical choices in this movie and i wasn't sure what was going on the first time just listening to it it, it, it i got it i got it cool cool yeah and like i said it inspired a lot of the neo pagan uk bands like uh, current 93 who who i was into in the late 80s and, and discovered the movie through yeah yeah any product placements? <laughs> yeah, but I never know how to get into it. <laughs> so there we go. Let's go to Sponsorship Corner. <laughs> so always on the lookout for product placements and movies. This week, The Wicker Man is brought to you by Round Trees Chocolate, Jack and Jill Magazine, McKinley's Old Scotch Whiskey, and Smirnoff Vodka. Plus the fictional Mae Morrison Sweet Shop, Green Man Inn, and Summer Isle Apples. And this has been Sponsorship Corner. <laughs> It's it's it, it's interesting that the harvest in this movie is apples, but in the Nicolas Cage remake, they decided to make it bees. Ah, yeah. I I went for extra credit on this episode, and I did watch the Nicolas Cage version, even though you cautioned against it last year. I, I believe you called it an atrocity and said that you would never watch it. If yeah, I still believe... yeah, but I, I decided to go for extra credit and see what a Nicolas Cage version of this movie is, especially when I saw how Sergeant Howie was as a main character, where it's like, okay, which way is Nicolas Cage going to go with this? Because I don't think we're going to have Virgin Sergeant Howie in the... Uh, in that <laughs> so... Yeah, but bees. <laughs> I do remember that. The Nicolas Cage one, I don't know. All I remember about that movie is that it was just stupid. <laughs> like, like I remember it just being so weird and so... Like, that. that's like just Nicolas Cage on, like, the cusp of that, like, really bad era of his film career. Like, yeah. before he kind of, I don't know what... He's kind of redeemed himself, I guess, a little bit more lately, but... Yeah, yeah. Be because the Nicolas Cage one is such a fresh watch for me, the big difference with that one is instead of them having drawn this virgin here, you know, this pure soul, with that one, it's his ex-fiance, it's her kid. His ex-fiance, of course, is named Willow. And oh. <laughs> it's her kid that's missing, which he finds out is his kid, of course. Mm -hmm. And the twist is that they had to bring someone willingly who was connected with someone on the island. It had to be an outsider with a connection to the island. Mm -hmm. And so be, being the father of Rowan was what the the crux was. So 
instead of just making him this naive soul. You know, this Dudley Do-Right character that bursts into into classrooms and like an asshole wipes the fucking day's work off the chalkboard to write down Rowan's name. Yeah, but if you notice, it's all about the different stones and their properties. Yeah. (laughs) That was my favorite scene, I think. There's something about his just like disappointment. Like he he should have just said, "I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed in you, lot of liars," or something. Like he was just like, "You're the worst of them all, though." Like he chastised the teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Filthy little liar. That's so good. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to to note, like Summer Isle is famous for its apples. It is way in the north, but because of the the way the winds go and the weather, uh, they do grow fruit and stuff much higher, much more north than they should. Yeah, yeah. So they do export apples. They're kind of they're famous. So that's that's a big part of the uh, truth of the myth. Is like, oh, actually, this you know. So yeah, their apples grown with blood magic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and a lot of the locals when they when he's going searching through the town and going through all of the people's houses and stuff, some of the people. Like they're the guy who shows you this is my costume and it's the salmon of knowledge and stuff. A lot of the locals were showing their costumes for their May Day celebrations. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I realize as he's going around the town, one thing that I could have gotten into sponsorship corner with was the apothecary shop that he goes into that has a jar of foreskins for some reason. <laughs> you know, that was a yeah yeah. this movie i you know i i don't know whether colin ended up seeing the scene where the woman was breastfeeding while holding an egg yeah yeah okay you you did see that yeah. Um, you know, also, like, it's not it's not one of my favorite scenes, but when he's going through the house, the house is searching through Rowan. Like when he walks into that one room with the woman in the bathtub, I'm presuming masturbating. I'm not sure what was happening there, but <laughs> yeah, uh, you saw the girl getting the frog removed from her mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Uh... Yeah. So my my mom used to mention doing that <laughs> when she was young, having the the frog put in your mouth to take your cold. Like that's that's a folk remedy from my mom is uh, Irish. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it it was really interesting seeing a bunch of the rituals that like I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. People be crazy. <laughs> but yeah. that's why frogs croak. You could never get a a toad. My my mom is like deathly afraid of toads. I would have lo- I would love to see someone try to try to manage that remedy on her. <laughs> <laughs> is so is like the whole like the whole Mayday parade, like this whole thing with the fool and the man dressed as a woman and 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 all that. Like is that is that a real like thing? Like is this a real like thing that they do so mayday celebrations still happen how elaborate they are so when he was going through the history talking about all through europe that was happening like yeah that's true uh and still does to some extent but they don't 
tend to burn people in wicker men. No, 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 yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> but the the whole the the rituals though the uh, the May Day celebrations they do happen in in different uh, kind of pockets. Cornwall has a lot of the the old rituals going on. That's uh, Southwest England, uh, lots of places in in uh, parts of Ireland, and and of course, isolated Northern Scotland. You're gonna find all sorts of stuff up there. I've never I've never been, but isn't is 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 Burning Man? a May Day celebration? Like, don't they, don't they burn like a giant wicker man? Isn't that part of it? <laughs> so my wife did, did some extra credit. <laughs> she was Googling that the guy who started burning man, he insists he was not inspired by the wicker man. Okay. But if you look at his first, you know, the original burning men that they created, they look just like the wicker man. Okay. Are we going to talk about the final shot with the sun going down and the burning and the wicker man's head collapsing? Hey, if if you want to jump to that now, I mean, you brought it up, so might as well talk about it now. <laughs> oh, it, it's um, it's one of those shots that's one in a million. Like you couldn't have planned it better, right? Yeah. I don't know if you guys watched Nope, but there's a cinematographer in there who's looking for the perfect shot and ends up getting it, but. Uh, anyway, you'll see the movie, uh, <laughs> but that that shot was a one in a million shot where they like the Wicker Man was burning, everything was happening. They they shot up for the, the to catch the sun, but the fact that the the head of the burning Wicker Man collapsed slowly just in front of the sun as the sun is just on the horizon and it times perfectly to actually go below the the horizon. Giving enough time for the credits in one shot, like that was a one in a million shot. It was a nice shot. It's a beautiful shot. It was a cool shot, and it just it just worked. Like they, you know, they like if we start right now and the the rate it's going to burn and the heat of the flame. Like no, none of that was figured out. They just like okay, we're going to set up here. Uh, there's where the sun is. Okay, go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it definitely sounded like a movie that was troubled <laughs> like it you know it, there was a lot going on with this movie and so for them to like just get the perfect closing shot though it's i guess that makes it all worth it in a way like it you know yeah in the documentary at the end anthony schaefer the occultist was talking about after all the trials and tribulations and lost footage and finding it again and and the cult following and we're still talking about it here years later i don't know if you believe in the cult <laughs> uh, uh, powers but considering all the obstacles this movie went through so you have to admit that it must have had some sort of you know extra help yeah yeah he heard from an 80 year old anthony schaefer <laughs> Because it was it was freezing, it was raining, it was sleeting, it was like terrible. But yeah, to get that one <laughs> shot. Yeah. There was a story on set about one of the scenes where they're all standing around, like all the extras are in the background, all the background actors yeah. are are singing, and you've got your ma three main women out front. Yeah. And so between takes, they would run parkas out to the main leads. And it was Britt Acklin was said to have grabbed hers immediately. Yeah. Um, oh, which one was it? Uh, it was Diane Salento. 
like thanked uh, graciously for it, and it was Lindsay Cam or no, sorry, Ingrid Pan uh, Pitt, I believe, that said, "No, if none of them have time to put on their jackets, I don't have time to put on my jacket." Yep. And it just shows the different personalities of these three different actresses is what they said on the set with that one. Oh, yeah. And Ingrid was the she was the one who's been in a lot of Hammer films like she was the, the you know, the core Hammer film heroine who was kind of upset that she was not in the got cast as well. But you notice yeah. that she's the she's in the, the clerk's office. She's the girl in the tub. <laughs> she's one of the three uh, uh, with the the balloons and and uh, dancing at the end of the movie so they made sure that that she was prominent in the film and got her chance to to be uh to be naked yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. why not yeah to, to yeah. keep her sort of to keep her happy and to keep her in the film <laughs> well yeah i mean you don't hear a lot of contracts these days for like mandatory nudity clause, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will not be in this movie if I cannot show off my breasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the seventies were a different time. Different time. Yeah. <laughs> I must be naked at some point. <laughs> it is the rule. It's it's also so weird for me. Having only seen Christopher Lee as Count Dooku and Saruman when he shows up <laughs> in that parade dressed as a woman, like that would be like if I saw Ian McKellen or <laughs> Patrick. St like I just cannot imagine those guys like doing drag. Not that it's yeah. bad, but it's just like they're such like they just seem like such straight laced like old Very school proper. Brit British proper men yeah. that I was just like, whoa. <laughs> well, Patrick Stewart's done drag in a few shows. Wasn't he in Tu Wong Fu? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But Yeah, and Ian McClellan has done drag with him, I think, in at least one show. Well, is, okay. is, is that a stage version of Tu Wong Fu then? Because he's, uh, he's not in the movie. Oh, maybe not. But there is, there's. Oh wait, Tu Wong Fu. No, sorry, I'm thinking Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yeah, Tu Wong Fu is the American. Yeah, you know, yeah, the bastard version. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Patrick Stewart has done uh, drag in a couple shows, and he looks like he's having so much fun. <laughs> he's like, I get to have hair again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So I read that uh Edward Woodward chose not to look at the wicker man until the day of filming. They kept asking him if he wanted to see it. You know, you want to go up and see it? It's built and no, 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 I don't want to see it. So that he could be extra shocked. But the thing I find also fascinating about the final scene is this was another one of those scenes that they said, oh, shit, the weather's good. Let's go do this scene now. Yeah. And it was the scene where he has to scream out from the wicker man while he's burning alive. And he didn't know his lines yet. <laughs> so instead, what they did is they wrote his lines on giant cue cards and held them up around the hills of the area. <laughs> and he had to do that all with like fire under him. Like it's uh... a. <laughs> and, and it's intense. Yeah. He did, he did an amazing job. 
Yeah. Yeah, I can I can only imagine. Yeah, he must have been a really good sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so were the animals. No animals harmed in this movie, although some people thought for years that they had been. But when 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 people thought that the animals had been harmed, one of the producers on the film had issued a statement that said uh, the only animals that will be harmed are the cute cuddly ones the rest will be fine <laughs> and and that's when people realize that oh wait this film crew is not going to burn a bunch of animals alive okay we're we're the ones being ridiculous yeah the magic yeah. of film they didn't really burn edward woodward yeah <laughs> i saw him as an old man in his interview <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, if they can save him, they can save the goat. <laughs> Pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, that that willow dance. I mean, you know, it, it was something else. That that song was another one that that siren song would have worked on me. I got it. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, having a pretty girl bang bang on the on the wall on the other side of your yeah. Yeah. Fuck, keep it down in there. <laughs> Stop banging on the wall. <laughs> I don't know that she would even have had to sing. She could have just knocked on my door, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. very famous scene. And that song has a lot of legs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's it's still wild that she dubbed her voice for this movie though. And uh, yeah, from what I read, it's because the actress is Swedish, but she tried doing a Scottish accent, but she didn't like how she it turned out. So she dubbed someone that could do a better or had someone who can do a better Scottish accent dub for her. Yeah, that's the story behind all those names on IMDb, Colin. OK. Yeah. 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 It's just, yeah, that's odd. <laughs> well, it's definitely odd, yes. But I mean, this whole movie is weird, so yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it makes because it's this movie, it's a little less surprising, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I feel like David and I have been hogging conversation over here. I mean, do you have anything else that you really want to like get off your chest about this movie here, Colin? Like, <laughs> we we I haven't really like, fo I... followed a linear storyline and. You did watch the 90-minute version. Yeah, I mean, I've just been kind of sitting back listening to David, like, school me on, on this movie, which has been very enjoyable. <laughs> I don't know that, like, I... It's hard, it's hard for me to, like... I, I, I don't think, like, any amount of conversation could get could get across, like... This movie is very simple. It's hard to talk about it literally because it's, like... It unfolds so simply while having this just undercurrent of weirdness that you won't understand by us just talking about it That's you true. have to like watch it like when the little creepy kids show up with their animal mass like <laughs> it's just it's like you have to see it to like to understand i don't know or even the maypole dance and, and that song like we, we could sing it for you but like yeah. You're not gonna get it if you don't watch the movie. So that that's kind of like the hard thing I'm finding talking about this movie. I think, yeah, overall, like it just, I just, it was weird. It's a weird, weird movie to watch. It is but, a weird movie. And even like I'm... once they once he ends up finding, 
like finding Rowan. Like his whole well, okay. Here's what I want to talk about. His whole thing in the library where he's like, is like where he's like having his inner monologue, putting everything together. I thought was maybe the most ridiculous mechanism used in the movie. <laughs> like to just be like, oh. They're gonna kill her. <laughs> like, and they're like, and it's just, and he, and while he's like having this weird, like, side eye to this librarian, like, this little old lady, like, he's like, oh, like, he all of a sudden is becoming like suspect of her while he's like putting everything together. Yeah. And then, <laughs> again, there's certain, certain just like logical leaps that I mean, it works for the movie, but when he goes back, even the whole idea of the seaplane. Like, you need to get ferried to and from it all the time. Like, there's no dock you couldn't go to to, like, have your own access to this thing. Like, you've just immediately made yourself reliant on these people you cannot inherently trust. <laughs> I don't know. I never, I never put it together until David was mentioning about how, like, I, I got it, like, at the end, like, when he takes the position of the fool... But I never realized until David was saying that, like, he is actually a fool. Like, yeah. how how he is, he is a fool. I, I never really got that until this conversation. And so, <laughs> but, so is everything deliberate by this town? Like, even I the idea so. of not having a dock is, is a deliberate choice. Well, I, I think that may just be their harbor master situation. But yes. having him arrive, everybody knew he was he was coming. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Having him go through the street, everyone who talked to him, the librarian watching him read the books, like she knows what's what's going on. So when he's mm -hmm. like, oh my God, they're gonna kill her, and then he's like, she's watching, like, but the whole thing is if he figures it out and leaves, then he saved himself. Yeah. And that's the thing, it has to be of his own free will. They have to give him every opportunity to go and they do even though his plane won't go they offer him the boat right it'll take him a week yeah. <laughs> right but he was free to go but he he refused yeah okay yeah. like i'm just yeah i mean that's all i'm thinking is down to the fact that it was even no doc you know i i, I hadn't even considered the idea of yeah duh why doesn't why don't they have a doc <laughs> they have a doc I, in the I, nicholas cage version is there something in the extended version that explains why they put the hand candle next to his bed when he goes to sleep? That, that's a magic spell. It's called the, the Hand of Glory. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's supposed to put him into, like, a temporary coma or something, isn't it? Like, isn't it supposed to make him sleep for, like, 12 hours or something? Yeah. Yeah. There's but a bunch of spells and, like, uh, uh, like you know, folky spells that happen in the, like the frog is a spell, right? The, uh, there's a bunch of, you know, even the witch parts, the, the even the, the baking and how she cuts it. And then she hands the, <laughs> the, the groin of the, the one doll to her daughter. And she's, she, that's what she eats. Yeah. Right. And it's like the fertility thing. And like, yeah. Yeah. I, I believe the, people that put the hand of glory in his room actually say it yeah because he's he's pretending to be asleep that's why it doesn't work on him is because he isn't already asleep he's pretending to be asleep and so yeah they do actually explain it there that this will keep him asleep through mayday but 
they must actually know that he's awake, right? <laughs> well, he's supposed to. Because they don't want him to sleep through Mayday. No, and they they sort of set him up to take the role of Punch in disguise so that he gets to the appropriate place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like they're they're there and they're that guy's basically like, I'm going to go get into my costume now and then while he's like pretending while he's pretending to be asleep. Gee, I'll be over here tying my shoe, not looking behind me. me (laughs) Hopefully I don't get killed with that candlestick. (laughs) I mean that one poor guy, he uh he does uh have to take one for the team though. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. The ending, the ending of the movie. I think I, I really, I wish I hadn't seen the Nicolas Cage one, so this could have been more of a, a surprise. Although I will say that I could, I feel like even if I hadn't had it spoiled, I would have known that Rowan was a fucking liar the minute I, the minute you see her, like she is not, like she's not even struggling. Or like she's not like oh please help like she's just <laughs> standing there and then he just he like he goes and see and then yeah she turns on him so fast but did I do it right you did yeah. it beautifully yeah <laughs> did you say were you saying before that there is a sequel to this movie or like yeah the, the Wicker Tree I don't know I think it came out around ten years ago or so yeah twenty eleven. Okay. 2011. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was. My hopes were really high. Maybe a little too high. I still have the the Blu-ray. It's still. It's touching on a lot of the occult stuff, but it didn't. Doesn't have the direction this one does. It doesn't have the clever twist, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah. Chris, Christopher Lee is in it, but he's not Lord Summerisle. Oh, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, because I was gonna say I. In in Howie's like end, the most interesting thing to me was when he mentions like you know eventually you're gonna need to kill the the king of Samaral himself. And I was like, <laughs> "There's your sequel, like right there, like like I want to see that, like how that unfolds." And if you had Christopher Lee, you know, because these things could have been like, yeah, it could have been fifty years till there was another drought or poor harvest or whatever, and now all of a sudden it's like. You know, maybe they can't get someone, so everybody's like, oh, look, this guy's ancient. Like, he's going to die anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Or there's probably probably some other pagan king sacrifice ritual that that there is. But I just just thought, like, well, I thought, A, it's true. Like, it's an an interesting point for Howie to raise on the the verge of his death. But it's also, like, I think you could have made an interesting story out of that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I would have been. I would have loved to have seen the the next year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, did it work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I just remembered uh, about a week ago, two weeks ago, I heard that Hammer, the the company, is starting up again. They're starting to produce movies again. Oh. Yeah, because they they closed their doors for quite a while. I don't know when they did, but um, yeah, they haven't been producing, and just recently they're starting up again. So. All the closet hammer films and fam, hammer film fans and the you know like yay. <laughs> do do you think they're at least gonna like eat the ducks or something? You don't want to waste the good barbecue that you got going on. <laughs> um, it's got that delicious wicker scent. D- yeah, yeah, that uh, that smoked wicker flavor. 
Yeah, some goat, some chicken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when 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 uh Sergeant Howie is screaming at the end, I have a note here that says, "Boy, he looks a bit like Daniel Craig." <laughs> he does actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh God! No! <laughs> I know we talked about uh Rod Stewart dating Britt Eklund, but what, did we did we talk about how he tried to buy? to buy the film so he could burn it <laughs> no <laughs> just, i did not know that <laughs> yeah apparently he didn't want anybody seeing his girlfriend naked that's so yeah. 1970s <laughs> yeah and only half of it is her so yeah. <laughs> oh rod stewart so jealous so jealous but i mean he is sexy <laughs> yeah what's he got to worry about yeah, if you want his body, if you think he's sexy. Yeah, just let him know. Just let him know. <laughs> well, there we go. That's right. the Wicker Yeah, I man. think there we go. <laughs> yeah, now Colin David on IMDb, it scored 7.5 out of 10 and has a meta score of 87. Wow, like cult movie. You you know it's a cult movie. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has 90% on the tomato meter and an audience rating of 82%. But Colin, those are just numbers. Like hitting a butcher over the head and knocking him the fuck out so you can dress up like the fool. Hit us <laughs> with some reviews. All right. Jim G gives the movie five out of five stars and says, absolutely amazing. I saw this when I was nine in 79 and was just amazed and have watched both the theatrical and extended and passed on the tradition to my own kids. They know this movie very well. In fact, it has become a favorite at every Beltane. I don't know what that is. That's, this that's movie the Mayday. Oh, okay. <laughs> this movie will never lose its luster and grip to hold you as you follow Sergeant Howie on his journey. And it all starts with a photo and an official that thinks he is the law of the land. Now 50 years old and still an absolute amazing movie. Still have this one on VCR as well as DVD and Blu-ray. If you haven't seen it, watch it. I'm I'm still trying to come to grips with nine-year-old watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit um all right i mean i don't i don't want to judge someone else's parenting style but <laughs> nine <laughs> nine <laughs> okay jody c says five out of five stars and this is coming from the Magical Church of Carnal Pagans, carnalpagans.org. Today oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reviewing the 1973 British Feast for the Eyes and Flowers for the Ears, The Wicker Man. This movie is so incredible I feel it in a lot of places, in my head, on my body. It takes place on a wonderful island with the sweetest looking small town you ever saw, full of practicing pagans. It's ingrained in their schools and their pubs, and I picked up a lot of great tips like what to do for a sore throat. The story is about a detective investigating a murder, but he's pretty rude and not a very good detective, as it turns out. But a movie, a movie like this doesn't need much <laughs> of a story. It's filled with music that just gives you the tingles and makes you glad to be alive. For a disarming performance by Britt Eklund and for the soundtrack, the setting, and the premise, I give this film double rainbows. Okay. Double rainbows. What what uh, what what scale is that on? <laughs> not enough. Is double rainbows the best? Yeah, I don't know. I th I think you I think your options with rainbows are none, one, or two. So I think two is the best you can get. 
I, I suppose, has there ever been a triple rainbow? I don't know. People can tell us if they've seen a triple rainbow at icelikethisone at gmail.com. <laughs> Dave S. gives the movie 2.5 out of 5 stars and says, The Wicker Man could be one of the most overrated movies ever. Set, set on an island off the coast of Scotland, Sergeant Howie pays a visit to investigate the disappearance of a young girl. When the locals manage to stall his investigation every turn, he begins to realize that something is sinister afoot. The premise of the film is fine and the acting is generally decent, but it falters horribly in its execution. There are too, far too many scenes of the locals singing folk songs, all of which tend to be annoying, that add nothing to the story. There are a handful of scenes that are dispensable. <laughs> the weird Brit Eklund dance, for example. The POV shots often seem to be from no specific point of view, and the final scene is nowhere near as horrifying as the legend has it. It's passable entertainment, but not as impactful as its reputation would indicate. Oh. Oh. David will fight. This will be a fight between Daves. (laughs) (laughs) Dave versus Dave. He didn't didn't like the willow dance. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say that's probably that's one of the best parts. Uh, you know, in all fairness, this Dave may not be a heterosexual male, but I I don't see how any heterosexual male though could have a problem with that dance, even out of context. I- I'll tell you that I've watched the scene on uh on YouTube, you know, and then I discovered the YouTube version was uh was edited so i ended up watching a version on vine so find the version on vine out there at, uh, <laughs> full nipple full uh full butt yeah. <laughs> four minutes out of your day you know <laughs> for research purposes only. Well, of course <laughs> tax right off and shit <laughs> yeah. all right this person gave unknown Rotten Tomatoes user gave it 3.5 out of 5 stars and says, I'm conflicted on this movie. After giving it some thought two days after watching this film, it's really good. The beginning parts of this movie are so slow and boring, but when it gets going, it gets good and creepy. The main character is amazing. The main head of the creepy cult in the movie is also great. This movie reminds me of shortened, better edited version of Midsummer. I wish Midsummer could have been a more modern approach on this movie. Yes, it had a lot of the same elements, but the pacing sucks. Anyway, back to this film. It's good. It's interesting. I still don't fully understand their cult, but all I know is I want to learn a bit more. But I'm glad it's mysterious. I highly recommend this, but it could have been more condensed with better side characters. But hey, it's still good. Go watch it. (laughs) Cool. And there are a lot of parallels to Midsummer, actually. Yeah, I was going to I'll talk about that at the end. Five out of five stars, unknown, un- unnamed Rotten Tomatoes rear. This will be the last one. The British Call Classic is simply one of the best horror movies ever. It's creepy and campy. An uptight policeman comes to a remote island to investigate the disappearance of a girl and discovers a strange cultish society of Wiccans? Jesus hippies? Pagans? Some combination of these things? And in fact, he's been lured there to be a part of their freaky nature cult. It's fun, it's weird, the dialogue is stilted, they've got animal masks, plus Britt Eklund's erotic dance to the spacey Oso 70s Willow song. Warning, there is an American remake of this starring Nick Gage. (laughs) Which should be strenuously avoided. I was eager to see it because I'm such a fan of the original, but it's absolutely terrible, even by Nick Gage standards. (laughs) And that is Nick Gage, not Nick yeah. Cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, no matter what they are, they're definitely not Catholics. That one was looking for the right word. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the one thing we do know for sure. Not Catholics. Yeah. So, the Wicker Man. <laughs> the, this was quite a journey. This is one that I was genuinely surprised one once i got to the end Mm. and i was pleased that i genuinely was surprised by the ending part of it might be because i don't know what the fuck i watched to get there (laughs) and then it got to the ending and it's like oh okay now it all makes sense but this is one that knowing that there is an extended version out there i'm glad that i saw the extended version by accident (laughs) <laughs> because uh, it sounds like you may have missed out on the full experience Colin by not having the uh you know by only getting the 90 minute version it's it was quite a ride and it's one that if the ending hadn't been what it was then it would have been like a piece of shit and David would have never been back on this show but <laughs> 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 But <laughs> no, but seriously, like I, I it was weird, but I kind of dug it, mm-hmm. but only because of the ending. And it just, uh, yeah, <laughs> the wicker man. I don't know. Colin, let's let's save David till the end. Colin, what did you think of the wicker man? I loved it, actually. Yeah, I I, I kind of want to go watch the extended version now, but like I, I don't know. It's always movies from the '80s are hard enough. <laughs> when I when I hear that I'm gonna have to watch a movie from the '70s, I'm like, this is gonna suck. This is usually really gonna be bad. That's what yeah. I, I'm like. This yeah. is gonna be pretty like. I mean, not, you've had not you've, not you've what I'm used to. Rocky Horror on this show. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. There saddles. was something. There was something about. Just the vibe, the overall vibe of this movie that I really enjoyed. Um, that last reviewer that I had read mentioned Midsummer, and Midsummer was like a movie I heard about, and then I watched it on New. It was like usually on New Year's Eve, I sp- I watch like a movie going into the new year, and I watched Midsummer. Maybe I think it was, I think it was twenty twenty one because I feel like it was COVID times, mm-hmm. um, and. I remember watching that movie and just feeling like my mind had been like abused. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and th- that movie like stuck with me for a really long time. And I kind of felt the same way about The Wicker Man. But because I had watched Midsummer, I think I was like, I enjoyed it. I was like, oh, I have a reference point for this now. Like I enjoyed the ride to of this movie. Like just just how everything unfolded, the weirdness of it, whenever, like, you know, strange things would happen. And I just like the world of it. I, I never, I was just thinking, like, I don't know, we don't really ever, I don't really think about, like, paganism or anything in my normal life. But it, there was, like, one part where he's, like, going, to, when he goes to the church, I think, and, and you, you realize, like, oh, this, it's like a defunct church. Like these people have just like taken it over and yeah, and turned abandoned. it into like a pagan graveyard type thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, what would it be like if people just I don't know gave up on that stuff and like 
form their own new religion and that kind of thing. I don't know. I and I just thought like all the performances it wasn't sometimes like nobody I really felt was like overacting, which I think would be a really easy thing to do in a movie like this. Like I like that Howie is playing this kind of like Woodward, whatever his name is, but like I like that Howie is kind of this like straight laced, and then but then everybody else is just playing it straight, and I think that's what makes it so unnerving, because nobody nobody is like nobody is like intentionally coming off as like devious for like the first hour. Everybody's just like, oh, this is just the way it is. This is how we live. What are you talking about? You're the weird one. Like it's, I don't know. I like this movie. I would watch it yeah. again. <laughs> well, I, I mean, like I said, I, I, I have watched it a few times now, and it made me go on deep dives. Like, I, I <laughs> it's a fascinating movie, and so I mean, if if I was leaning into implying that I don't like it, I, I do like it. It's, it's just, it's a weird ride. Like, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how how bizarre this movie is. It is a bit of a baffling movie, but. I do like it, but yeah, David, bring us home. Why should everyone love this movie? <laughs> uh, well, this is one of my favorite movies, so I'm biased. But the the music, original, catchy, still people are still covering it these days, and uh, some of the songs are still in the the zeitgeist. Uh, the the pagan rituals that are are not made fun of as most movies do like horror movies do they're sort of like sent up these ones are just like presented as here's how we live which i think is tying into what colin was saying um and the kicker for me is it's one of those very few movies where the christians don't win (laughs) (laughs) where the great white blanket of christianity is supposed to set everything right at the end no not in this world they get burned up uh, which yeah. you know, huzzah! I don't you don't <laughs> see that very often. Usually, the pagans are the ones who are always getting the short end of the stick. So you have to cheer for the underdog in this one. And yeah, uh, just seeing Christopher Lee singing in his bass baritone voice, the <laughs> uh, Edward Woodward in a in a different role, which I thought he did really well, and the the Willow song and dance and the of the course. butt double. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love. I love that whole like Scottish, um, um, Northern Scottish sort of culture thing. I've, I mentioned I watched all the Shetland. Half of the fun was watching the how they interact and the way they sound and stuff. So I'm fascinated by that whole part of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. It's a weird ride. It's a weird ride, but and the perfect shot at the end. And the perfect shot at the. I'll end. have to go. I'll have to go watch watch that again. Yeah, yeah. Watch it closely because they they don't cut. It's just one continuous shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's the Wicker Man, and that's our show for this week. Oh boy! Big huge thank you to our pal David Owen. Hat trick episode. Yeah. Thank you for having me back, you guys. It was a pleasure. Yeah. I mean, you know. If uh if we got another Halloween movie coming up in in, in a year or so, uh, w- which one should we pen you in for that time? Uh, do you guys go into H.P. Lovecraft stuff? How about Dagon? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> we, we, I don't know what any of those. I don't. I don't want to watch anything that I need to like summon with like 
blood and. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what about like the, the flies? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the fly! Yeah, the Cronenberg fly. That would be awesome. Yeah. Actually, any of the Cronenberg scanners. There you go. Scanners. Uh, all I know about that one is a head blowing up. I don't know. Yeah. Video drone. That would be awesome. Okay. I mean, any of the Cronenberg, but. But yeah, I'm saying Dagon. If it was just up to me, Dagon. Dagon, I... What the fuck is... <laughs> oh, okay. David needs to start his own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the nichest of niche. Like... Oh, boy. Well, if thank you, David. If you like that show, one thing you can do to really help us out on the business end, tell people, share our posts, like, subscribe, all those things. Tell tell your friends to download or uh, go over to whatever app you listen to your podcast on. Give us some stars. Or if you want to become an executive producer of the show, go over to patreon.com slash I used to like this one and become part of our Patreon family and get a shout out on... <laughs> <laughs> just like Joshua Flum of the 13th Hour Podcast already got Dagon in the chat, hey? <laughs> <laughs> and drop us a line at one at gmail.com let us know what you think of the show let us know what movies you'd like to see us or see us, hear us, talk about <laughs> and check out our Facebook uh, check out our website check out our website iselectthisone.com where you can find links to all of our podcast episodes and social media pages what is this movie? <laughs> I will say also that Paul like, Marsh has a dream that he discovers a mermaid with razor sharp teeth while scuba diving into a strange underwater cave Okay. It doesn't do it justice. That it's that doesn't even touch it. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Colin. Go on. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, as in terms of like the movies that we've watched with uh, David. I mean, I'll, I'll say that this one that this one pulled me back into the into the positive. Like, you know, Buckaroo Bonsai and The Hunger Eyes. Kind of like, yeah, I don't know about this guy, but. The Wicker Man brought me back. <laughs> I mean, Buckaroo Bonsai, to be fair, wasn't David's choice. Yes. We had that requested by someone else, and we chose oh, okay. David. Yeah. But... Oh, okay. And I rose to the occasion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, 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 look for me doing other podcasting with In Front of the Yellow Line if you want to hear stories of my, uh, being a, my being a bus driver. Uh, Colin, do you want to plug your show, too? Because this is an October episode. Yeah. I'm gonna, uh, if you're in the Edmonton area, I'm going to be performing in the Walterdale Theater production of All My Sons from October 11th to 21st. So get your tickets. Come check it out. We'd love to see you. So, Colin, oh boy. Uh, oh, I didn't say music by Lyndon Carter. Look for his band, Carter and the Capitals, anywhere you listen to music. So, Colin, we've never had a, someone still around for a call when we've done this because it's always just been you and me. But well, next week, I'm excited for our next episode. We've got Marin coming back. Marin Richardson. Because she made a promise to us last year that she would yes, watch that Silence we... of the Lambs. <laughs> I also made a promise because I've never seen that movie either. So yeah. we'll be watching it for the first time together, apart, yeah. separately. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm excited for this one because 
I will say that she tried to back out of this one. I got a text <laughs> from her a few days ago. She is terrified to watch this movie. I had to assure her that, don't worry, it, it's a cop movie. Like, really, it's it's a cop movie. Like, it really isn't a scary movie. The fact that it's making its way into Halloween, it doesn't really belong. Seven is one that belongs here more than, uh, than Silence of the Lambs, so... Like, it can't be more scary than The Shining, and she watched that. I feel like it's... Yeah. I mean, I've, I hadn't... I haven't watched it, obviously, but they give me they give me kind of the same vibe. You you re- you remember we're doing that recording tomorrow night, right? You, you, you yeah, no, no, I know, I know, okay, I know. Okay, I've, okay. I've just been, I've been I've been waiting. It it's it's gonna come it's gonna come on Amazon Prime in two hours, and then we're gonna watch it, and then we'll be okay. good. <laughs> okay, be- because because of the show that Colin just plugged, we have to do like back to back recordings, so we. <laughs> Well, enjoy some the lamb, the I will. Yeah. Thank you. And well, there uh, you go. I'll watch. I'll watch Dagon. <laughs> <play, you> know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, so join us. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Sean Wells. I'm Colin Stewart. Uh, I'm, I'm David Owen. Oh, there we go. And David Owen. And see you next time when we take a look at Silence of the Lambs on I Used to Like This One. More spooky movies. <laughs> cool. That was fun, you guys. Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah, thanks awesome. for the thanks for the lesson. That was very, very informative. Right on. Jesus, I keep knocking this fucking I'm just gonna have to <laughs> I've, got, I, I've got my microphone set up differently, so I keep bumping my desk easier. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs>